I'm Taylor. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Hello. Uh, we're sticking this week with our out of this world theme. Instead of aliens and UFOs, we're moving more into the territory of conspiracy theories and the space race. Yeah, why not, what, right? What more could you want, really? Honestly. I mean, the space race is, like, lousy with conspiracy theories to start with. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Yeah. Uh, both the USSR and the USA can lay claim to winning the space race. The Soviets launched the first satellite with Sputnik 1 in 1957. They sent the first man into space with Yuri Gagarin in 1961. But the USA won the race to the moon with the astronauts of Apollo 11 planting the star-spangled banner in outer space in 1969. Oh, say can you see? Hi. Please never do that again. At least not in that voice. Just do it every time now. (laughs) Uh, Both sides have had their fair share of setbacks and even catastrophes along the way, and space exploration has always been surrounded by conspiracy theories. But since the 1960s, questions about the true human cost of the race to space have been asked. And one of the most common is... Who are the lost cosmonauts? And did the Soviet Union really sacrifice them to try and beat the Americans to space? And are the lost cosmonauts, or at least their bodies, still orbiting Earth amongst the many tons of space junk that has accumulated in the last 65 years? Fun. Yeah. The theory of the lost cosmonauts first began in 1959 when information was leaked by communists in Czechoslovakia, as it was then known, uh, claiming that several cosmonauts had taken part in unofficial space flights and had died during said flights. Uh, These deaths were reported by Italian news agency Continentale? Sure. Continentale. Yeah, I don't know if there's an E. There's an E on the end. Uh, Italian news agency Continentale in December 1959, identifying four cosmonauts who had allegedly died. They were Alexei Ladowski, Serenti Shryborin, Andrei Mitkov, and Maria Gromova. As in a lady? Yeah. Wow, that's progressive. Too bad. If she existed, she died. Uh, <laughs> in space. Yeah. You know. Oh, it's really great. The early astronauts, they had wi- of uh, cosmonauts, I should say, they had women in their ranks. But one of them died in outer space and has never been formally acknowledged. Yeah, 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 you know. Uh, there's problems all around. Um, despite these reports, there has never been any evidence of these manned Soviet space flights. And naturally, the Soviet Union officially denied it. Um, But in the last 60 years, nobody has been able to find any evidence of these early space flights. We all know, of course, we all know that absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. But, you know, you also have to remember that you can't prove a negative. So you can't actually prove that these flights didn't take place. It's all 
That's all very. That's the thing with a lot of conspiracy theories is you can't prove something didn't happen in this way. Yeah. Less than six months later, in May 1960, there were rumors flying around the Red Army training barracks in the Soviet Lithuanian city of Vilnius that the Soviet Union had successfully launched a human being into orbit. This was denied by officials, and again, there was no evidence of human beings being sent into orbit in the spring of 1960. Sputnik satellites were being sent into orbit at that time, but they were unmanned and did not have the capacity to successfully carry a crew. On March 25th, 1961, in rural Soviet Russia, not far from the city of Perm, just east of the Ural Mountains, the ejector seat from a space capsule parachuted to Earth. When a team of locals located and recovered the capsule from the snow, as, you know, rural mountainous Russia at that time, (laughs) they found a lifeless passenger inside wearing an orange flight suit. The name on the flight suit was Ivan Ivanovic, and he did not receive a hero's welcome as he returned to Earth. You know, the first known human being ever to return to Earth from outer space. Instead, he got a smack in the mouth, according to an article by the Smithsonian magazine. Why? Because you see, Ivan Ivanovic is the Russian language equivalent of a John Doe. Uh-huh. And he was not a victorious cosmonaut who had helped the Soviet Union to secure an early lead in the space race. He was a, actually a mannequin who was used in the testing for the Vostok program in preparation for the Soviets' first crewed mission to space. So along with his name, the space, space suit also bore the words maquette, I think that's how you pronounce it, which is the Russian word for dummy or model. Ah. So. But why'd they hit him in the face? I think they were just annoyed. They thought they'd rescued this cosmonaut. (laughs) They were like, not having this, mate. (laughs) Poor guy. Yeah. So Yuri Gagarin, who was officially the first person to travel to space is said to have attributed these rumours of lost cosmonauts to the use of Ivan Ivanovic as a test dummy on board the early Vostok test flights. Mm. And less than three weeks after Ivan Ivanovic crashed into the snow near Perm, Vostok 1 was launched from the the Baikonur Cosmodrome in Soviet Kazakhstan. And 27-year-old Yuri Gagarin became the first human being to travel into space. But Ivan Ivanovic also had a busy career post (laughs) uh, space flight testing, appearing in museums, exhibitions and installations all over the world, along with his twin brother, who is also called Ivan Ivanovic. Sounds like a great duo. Yeah. It does it does kind of make sense. Yeah. Like It's like anything people are like, oh well if it looks realistic enough, people will be like, well maybe it was a real person and they're just lying. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, yeah he's been in a museum in DC. Mhm. I can't remember what probably the, the Air and Space Museum. That's it, yeah. I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head, but yeah. yeah. That's my favorite 
of the well one of my it was my favorite as a kid because it had all the planes and the space stuff and <laughs> now that i'm older i do like the forget which one it is one of the smithsonian ones they're all smithsonian but like one of the regular flavor ones like something <laughs> history or whatever natural history scientific know. history there's one that's like american history i think and there's an uh, i don't really know it's been too long. It's been like 10 years since I've been down there. But anyway, they're all great. But the Air and Space Museum is super cool, especially for kids. Because it's really fun. <laughs> uh, you heard it here, guys. Yeah. Go take your children to the Air and Space Museum. They're all free, too. So That's so cool. Yeah. Um, Love free museums. I agree. 100%. It seems that Gagarin's claims that stories of the lost cosmonauts were sparked by Ivan Ivanovic being used in unmanned test flights was a case of too little too late, because in Italy in 1960, a pair of brothers claimed to have irrefutable proof that cosmonauts were orbiting Earth and slowly dying in their spacecrafts. What a thing to have irrefutable proof of. How exciting. Yeah. Like, can't wait to see how this turns out and how convincing it all I is. I know, right? Um, Achille and Giovanni Giudica Cordiglia. That's quite a double barrel name. Cordelia. Cordelia. Cord- I don't know if a G is silent in a lot of Italian words and names. Well, their names were either Achille Giov- and Giovanni Giudica Cordiglia or Cordelia. We'll never know. Um, they were age 27 and 21 in 1960, respectively. They had set up their own radio listening station in a disused German bunker called Torre Bert near Turin. The pair claimed that from the early years of the space race, they had been able to pick up, monitor, and record transmissions from both U.S. and Soviet satellites. The first transmission they allegedly picked up was from an unmanned unnamed cosmonaut in may 1960 the transmission came from a spacecraft that was supposed to be orbiting earth but had quote veered off course um according to an article by all that's interesting in november 1960 the judica cordelia brothers claimed to have picked up an sos transmission in morse code from a soviet craft They learned from the transmissions that this craft was supposed to be orbiting Earth, but like the previous craft they had recorded, it had veered off course and was now moving away from Earth. So essentially, the Soviets had, quote, accidentally launched their cosmonauts into deep space. That's a pretty big whoopsie. Yeah. It's a pretty big miscalculation somewhere. Yeah. Also that it implies that, like, they had enough power to get them, like, basically out of Earth's orbit, which is quite mm. impressive considering how much they'd done at, like, how what the state of, like, space exploration was at that point in general. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. So these were just the first two of nine recordings the brothers claimed they had picked up from distressed Soviet spacecrafts. 
In February 1961, they claimed to have recorded a cosmonaut suffocating inside their capsule. Lovely. A, yeah. <clears throat> and just, just great. Yeah. In April 1961, just before Yuri Gagarin's flight into space, they recorded transmissions from a capsule that had circled the Earth three times before re-entering Earth's atmosphere. But we don't know what happened, assuming it wasn't coming back to Earth as it should. Mm. So in, in May 1961, they recorded calls for help from a capsule orbiting Earth. In October 1961, they recorded transmissions from yet another craft Another craft that had veered off course and then vanished in deep space. In November 1962, a transmission was recorded from a capsule as it re-entered the Earth's atmosphere and then just disappeared. Like some kind of Bermuda Triangle <laughs> up in the ozone layer somewhere. Sure, sure. A year later, they recorded a similar transmission from a female cosmonaut who slowly died upon re-entry. And in April 1964, the ninth and final recording was again a cosmonaut who died as their craft burnt up upon re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. So these nine recordings were released over a period of four years in the 1960s, but we're not sure if they were sort of released shortly after they were recorded, kind of like on an as-and-when mm -hmm. basis, or a later date, or altogether, like... Sauce is not really clear on this one. Of course not. Because, like, what conspiracy theory is, you know... Has ironclad sources. Exactly. Literally none. <laughs> uh, of the theories and allegations of lost cosmonauts, the distress calls recorded by the brothers near Turin remain the most famous and are seen by many as proof that the Soviet Union sacrificed its cosmonauts and then covered it up. Now, that's not to say that everybody has just accepted the recordings as being, you know, gospel truth. Um, and there is a lot of skepticism about the authenticity of the recordings. One of the questions that's often raised is that in the recordings, the cosmonauts do not use call signs or specific technical terminology that would have that would be expected of genuine cosmonauts with proper training, nor did they follow any of the communication protocols that, you know, they would have been taught. Um, on the other hand, it could be argued that if you're in a spacecraft that's veering off course or burning up and, you know, you're facing certain death, you might not remember all of your training and correct communication protocols. That's a possibility. It is. But at the same time, it's like you are taught anything like that. You are taught specific oh, yeah, like, protocols so that people know exactly. exactly what's happening. Like, if you start screaming and shouting... Yeah, no one's going to be able to help you. Yeah. Yeah, like, and in theory, like, these cosmonauts will have been highly trained to act under extreme stress. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, there have also been suggestions that while the recordings make grammatical sense when they're translated into English, to a fluent Russian listener, the recordings don't really make sense and use phrases not usually spoken by Russian speakers. 
Although, again, you could argue that when facing a fiery certain death in outer space, you might not use correct syntax and grammar when sending out your SOS messages. Yeah. I think that has even less, uh, like, grounding than, you know, forgetting all your, like, communication protocols, because if all your training goes out the window because you're in such a state of panic, because you're facing a fiery certain death out you know in outer space you're just gonna go like whatever comes out your mouth is gonna come out and so that's gonna be most likely like common everyday phrases everyday language yeah you're gonna dialect you're gonna go back to your native russian patter like it's not gonna be like something that lines up better with english yeah Especially, like, given the secrecy of the space race. Yeah. Would you want to make something easier easily understood by the West or, like, no. native English speakers? No. Nah. No. Definitely I'm just not. not buying it. No. The other main argument against the authenticity of the recordings is explained on the Judica Cordelia Brothers Wikipedia page, which is linked in the episode notes along with all the other sources. Um, but it's it's very scientific and technical, and along with you know a whole host of other things, we definitely are not. We are not astrophysicists, no, or anything close. I don't even know if that's the right word. Yeah, that says it all. <laughs> but if we understand it correctly, and again, there's a chance we don't. Highly likely. The early capsules that the Soviets were sending into orbit in both the Sputnik and Vostok programs weren't powerful enough to leave the Earth's orbit. And they were never designed to be powerful enough to leave the Earth's orbit. They were designed to go into low orbit and return safely. And they even had problems with that, which was well documented, I think, with the Sputnik program. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a piece of one of the Sputnik satellites, like, embedded in a sidewalk in like wisconsin (laughs) or michigan somewhere yeah yeah somewhere up around there yeah like because it just kind of fell apart as it fell to earth Uh so these crafts weren't designed like those that were designed for missions to the moon and it shouldn't have been possible for them to leave the earth's orbit yeah And as we said before, it's a hell of a miscalculation to accidentally send a a craft into outer space when it's designed to be in low orbit. Yeah. And like, again, a hell of a a, a nice little whoopsie-doo that like these spacecrafts could even withstand going outside of low orbit like yeah you'd have to accidentally over engineer these things which is generally yeah. not how that works no <laughs> <laughs> not usually anyway <laughs> um now speaking of wow my voice is just fucked right off <laughs> So, speaking of missions to the moon, there are also conspiracy theories that the Soviet Union undertook an unsuccessful moonshot mission shortly before the successful Apollo 11 spaceflight to the moon. In February 1969, a version of the N1 rocket was tested with the intention that it would be used as a launch vehicle for the Soviet flight to the moon, but the test was unsuccessful. 
A second test on July 3rd, 1969 was also unsuccessful, causing one of the largest non-nuclear artificial explosions in human history after the rocket fell back to Earth shortly after launch and destroyed the launch pad. Not what you want to happen. It's not not a great start to a moonshot mission, is it? No, not really. Um, This theory goes that the second failed test launch was actually a crewed mission to the moon and that the cosmonauts on board were killed in the explosion, which caused damages to surrounding buildings as far as 10 miles away. That's That's a big blast radius. Huge. Um... Soviet authorities always maintain that this launch in July was a test and that the project was shelved before it was ever ready for manned missions. Of course they would. Mm. Uh, the capsule that was used in that particular test also had a launch escape system. So in theory, if it had been manned, the crew should have been able to escape by detaching from the rocket before it exploded. So the space race officially ended in July 1975, although some do argue that it didn't end until December 91 with the end of the Cold War and the fall of the Soviet Union. Either way, in July 1975, there was the first multinational human crewed mission involving Soviet cosmonauts and American astronauts in a temporary Cold War thaw between Richard Nixon and Leonid Brezhnev. Side note, <laughs> just just Google Brezhnev. And eyebrows. Or just Soviet leaders' eyebrows. <laughs> it is um, quite a quite a look he's got there. Mm. It was difficult for him to maintain a low profile when visiting the White House <laughs> because his eyebrows were so recognizable. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to drive one of Nixon's cars, like... Uh. Um, and Nixon was like, no, because I've seen how you drive. And also people will recognize you. He's like, I'll just cover my eyebrows. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's mm, okay. Straight up. That is from Brezhnev's Wikipedia page. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. So following this mission in 1975, both nations continued their space exploration programs. But the intense competition wound down massively after this uh, joined mission. Uh, Following the dissolution of the Soviet Union, the newly formed Russian Federation inherited the Soviet space program and Russia leases the land that the Baikonur Cosmodrome is on from Kazakhstan. So Russia and the USA have worked together for much of the last 30 years in terms of space exploration. The International Space Station was launched in 1998 And things continued in as near to harmony as you're ever going to get between the USA and Russia. Yeah. I thought the International Space Station was a lot older than that. I did too. I thought it was more in line with the, like, space shuttle missions of the, like, 80s. But I guess that makes sense that it's not. So, but things changed this year following the, you know, widespread condemnation of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the Kremlin announced that they would end cooperation with the White House with regards to the International Space Station. So, we will see what happens. But regardless of the situation between Moscow and Washington, it seems that the conspiracy theory of the lost cosmonauts 
will not be forgotten anytime soon. And there you have it. Oh, boy. Any thoughts? Like, I have no doubt that there are things about the Russian or the Soviet space program that will never see the light of day. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I'm sure some of that includes people dying. Mm. And probably in, like, tests of various forms. But I don't think there are, or were, or whatever, people randomly launched into deep space. Like, just, no. Like, I I feel like either that would have come out later on, or, like... It would have come out around about the same time that it happened because, A, you'd have people going missing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, people would notice that, probably. Well, but you've also got, like, the Soviet Union was so insular that whether those missing people would, like, yeah, people locally would miss them. Yeah. But whether that would become sort of international knowledge. Yeah, I just feel like there was another question. There's so much attention on, you know, the space race on both sides in the 60s and and stuff. So like all this information gets out, like I don't know. Yeah. But I just don't believe that they've accidentally overpowered their spacecrafts enough to launch people into deep space. Like that's just insane. Yeah, I that that's what I have problems with. Like, I have no doubt that people will have died yeah. in the space race on both sides. Oh, people yeah. will have died on both sides of the Cold War that we will never know about. Yeah, for sure. But I just don't believe that there's like a few Soyuz capsules or Vostok capsules, whatever Sputniks, whatever, just floating about with bodies inside. No, but unless someone goes up there with a giant butterfly net to capture all the space junk and bring it back to earth we're not going to know and even if they did do that we probably still wouldn't know for sure yeah i think it's a bit far-fetched yeah and i also think i think we discussed it when we did the rosenbergs Mm -hmm. is it rosenbergs the nuclear spies or atomic spies yeah Yeah. uh that's it 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 just smacks of like the western imperialism or superiority Mm -hmm. that even today we see, especially with like nuclear weapons, like we can have them, but other like like we as in like NATO, yeah, we can have this technology, but you can't, yeah, yeah, or we can be trusted with it, but you can't, and it just kind of smacks of that because it's like, well, we in the West were capable of building these nuclear weapons back in the the forties and fifties, yeah, but the the eastern bloc couldn't possibly possess the knowledge or the technology or anything like that uh-huh. and i think it kind of it's that same kind of attitude of like we in the west we could engineer these spacecrafts we could do this we could reach the moon we could reach space blah 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 blah. but nobody else could possibly have that yeah. that technology that education that intelligence yeah yeah and I think it kind of, it just to me smacks of like Cold War propaganda. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't doubt there are deaths. There are deaths in places during the space race that we will never know about. Yeah. 
and they'll be kept under lock and key as like national security or something like that. Yeah, for sure. That being said, supposedly all Soviet space race documents are now declassified, Mm -hmm. and that does include disasters and deaths. Mm -hmm. So there was uh, Valentin Bondarenko, Mm -hmm. who um, basically burnt to death in a high oxygen training environment. Yikes. So he was in a training capsule, and... What happened? It was like a very high oxygen mm-hmm. uh, training capsule to, you know, mimic the the atmosphere you'd be in in a a space yeah. shuttle um, capsule, and the the equipment caught fire. The oxygen <sighs> obviously prolonged this fire, but because of the difference in the atmosphere between the training capsule and those monitoring it uh-huh. they couldn't depressurize or equalize the pressure quick enough and he died Yikes. just burnt to death yeah it took 20 years i think it was the 80s when this was uh finally acknowledged publicly yeah by the soviet union but it has been declassified it has been acknowledged before the fall of the Soviet Union and before the West, you know, had access yeah. to like all these declassified documents. Yeah. So there's also Vladimir Komarov, who uh, was the solo pilot of Soyuz One, mm-hmm. but uh, so that was the first the first crewed test flight, and the parachute failure caused his Soyuz capsule to crash to the ground on re-entry this is in 1967 uh-huh. and he was the first human to die in a, a space flight uh-huh. so yeah that was that was widely reported and acknowledged as well so it just seems like it would have come out you know yeah yeah and even like yuri gagarin's space flight had its own conspiracy theories uh vladimir Ilyushin mm-hmm. is the uh, rumored to have replaced Gagarin and died before returning to Earth, and then they're like, "Oh well, look, Yuri Gagarin's back. <laughs> we, we showed we showed you all him getting in that capsule, yeah. and now he's look, back. He's here. <laughs> but they didn't show you him getting out and someone else getting in and dying. <laughs> God." There's like there's all the conspiracy theories about the moon landings, yeah. you know, being basically filmed in filmed in a Hollywood basement. Yeah. So there's always going to be these conspiracy theories. Yeah, I think the thing with like space stuff is that there are always going to be people who believe it's just not possible. Yeah. And that it's all made up for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. like I mean, there are people who still believe the Earth is flat. So, yeah, you know. If the Earth was flat, it would have been commercialized with big swings and like a roller coaster going over the edge. Oh, God. No, thank you. <laughs> like, so, no. I'm not buying that the Earth is flat. Simply for the reason we don't have an end of edge of the world theme park. Yeah. 
and you know like science and shit <laughs> also that but it's fine um yeah yeah i just well, but like i feel like space is one of those topic areas where conspiracy is rife just mm. because even from the beginning of these space programs like some like some people are just like it's not possible so i'm i've decided this is my theory of it and let me tell everyone and that that's just persisted yeah and also like the secrecy of the space race because it was the competition between east and west yeah it was a big that anything like anything to do with the government or the military or anything like that that is highly secretive it's just it's it's just like a petri dish yeah for conspiracy theory breeding. Yeah, definitely. Always. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also think that, like, there's, like, after the Soviet Union dissolved, and even before, like, they released so much information that was previously kept secret. Like, to what end yeah. are they keeping this information classified like there's just no point up until this year there was there's been cooperation in terms of space exploration since 75 yeah. that's 45 years yeah. more than 45 years you know and if you go back to the 80s and like the the policy of glasnost yeah. in the soviet union where so much was um declassified so many things were admitted to yeah exactly like, what to what end does this need to be kept a secret? Who knows? It's well, I don't buy it. No. I don't. I don't buy this version of events. Yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, it's possible, and yeah, I'm sure that people died in in tests. But again, I mm. don't think they're just like. Russian space capsules just wandering around Earth's orbit like, you know, clumping up all into a little... It's just not... I don't believe it. So, um, let us know what your theory is. I feel like we've gone... on like extreme swing here from last week where we were like fucking aliens and ah, yeah <laughs> and of course it's this and now we're like no it's just not possible it doesn't make any logical sense <laughs> you can't possibly have something like this in the real world <sighs> yeah it's just like real manic swings happening here uh <laughs> i mean i think what happens is we wake up with very different ideas on a daily basis <laughs> like like there'll have been things we said in an episode last year that will have changed our minds on. oh sure the you know it's called personal growth <laughs> evidently <laughs> that happens in a week around personal here. growth or personal dev- devolution <laughs> one of those yeah two. yeah I, well i don't know i also think that like this is just not that like i like the really far-fetched ones it's not yeah. that interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, aliens, sure. Just people floating around in space. Nah, someone had have worked it out yeah, by now. exactly. So anyway, tell us what you think. Um, we did get a really great theory from one of our patrons about uh, the gene... Yeah. The gene children? The green children of Woolpit. 
which was not a theory that we had come up with. So that was fun to read that one. Okay, so this came from our patron, Laura. She says that they were clearly the children of the strange death carrot guy who didn't actually die but went back in time and they're green because the other part of a carrot is green. So together they made a whole carrot. So I had a carrot man and he had baby carrots. I think, you know. That's the one. That's the one? Yeah, because like we said, time travel plus like, you know, something with the eating eating too much of something, so... Seems right. So, so he must have been eating all the carrots. And they were eating this, like the tops. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. So, seems right. So, if you have any other theories like that, uh, do share them because we will read them because they are great. Yes. Uh, so, thank you, Laura, for that. Really appreciate that. I liked that a lot. I chuckled yeah. real hard when I read that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I really, I really like it. Um, And if you like the show, yes, we are back to our regular spiel here. Be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts. And do subscribe so you never miss a new episode of whatever the fuck this is. (laughs) And if you want to get some cool Square Mile merch, we do have some. uh, Some products, some t-shirts, some... uh, Probably tote bags, I think. Uh, They got some designs. T-shirts, hoodies. Check those out. You can find them uh, at the link in our show notes or on our website or by going to squaremileofmurder.store. If you'd like to help us cover the costs of making whatever the fuck this is and help us invest in the future of whatever the fuck fuck this is, is, uh, you can join our Patreon page. Uh, just like our newest patron, Ramb- Rambling Recluse. So thank you for joining yes, us. Yes, thank you. Hi. Uh, we we love reclusive ramblers. Yes, so we, we, be fun. we are that. Yeah. So you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. Um, tiers start from just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes one day early, a shout out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just for £1 a month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive money can't buy stationery. So check all that out at patreon.com forward slash squaremileofmurder. Links are in all the usual places. Yep. And we will be back next week to round out our month of... Whatever the fuck this this is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Space Age Conspiracies, I Look, think? Look, if you thought these last few were nuts, <laughs> hold on to your fucking butts, everyone. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Next week is the one. Yeah. And um, do come back for next week because it's going to be fucking crazy. Yeah. We've written, rewritten, <laughs> proofread... Yeah fact checked and we're still not sure it makes sense so probably doesn't you know but even more fun for you then yeah so it's fine we'll we'll work through uh, it all together yeah exactly be a group process yeah group therapy (laughs) yeah (laughs) or you'll or we'll need group therapy after it either way you know uh so we will see you then yeah see you then guys thank you bye bye